0: I am Brax McCoy. This is the Brax McCoy show. I just wasted uh, 15 minutes of this gentleman's time trying to figure out the studio because Gaylord was not in. And apparently I joined as a guest, so I didn't have any controls. But uh, te- 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 technical difficulties aside, uh, I wanted to have my friend Roy here on. He's with uh, Weapon Outfitters. It's weaponoutfitters.com. Yep, that's it um we were both down at shot and he's like one of the smartest guys i know so i wanted to kind of do a recap with him and see uh if he saw anything you know uh, you're seeing all the youtube videos and all that but like anything that's really revolutionary or uh the, and it's something that stood out you know i figured we'd cover some of that you have anything off the top of your head oh
1: well, for me uh i walk the the show all four days and uh, you know since i can't drink because of my foot injury. Like, this was the first shout show where I took it super professionally. I had my wife with me for uh, some of the days. And uh, w- full days, all four days, I still only saw only about 60% of the show. The show's gotten huge because they've uh, expanded into Caesar's Forum, And unfortunately, uh, man, I barely got one hour in that spot. And I never saw the end of the Caesar's Forum. So I'm pretty sure the shot show's doubled in size. Because in the season four, they had, you know, some big players like primary weapons, a few distributors, mission first tactical. And, uh, you know, I got to see most of the traditional parts of the show. But, yeah, there, were, there was so much in the new section of the show that I missed, unfortunately. So yeah. I really don't think it's possible to see more than two thirds of the show, even if you're like a hardcore professional, like giving each major booth you want to see like five, ten minutes. Uh, when I had gone for Recoil Magazine like five years ago, like I was part of a four-man team to try to get full coverage. But yeah, even even in that case, we still weren't able to get a hundred percent coverage because there were some overlaps. Like we all want to go see KAC or HK, for example. But uh, mm-hmm. every year the booths move move around slightly. But at the same time, it does remind me of Groundhog Day, and I've been going for ten years, and. It, you know, each year kind of starts blending in with each other. When people are talking about like the Cry Precision Party, it's like, oh, what was the theme that year? You know, like uh, I think the first one I got to witness was the Redneck Apocalypse themed one, which had like monster trucks and donut cannons. <laughs> that was like ten years ago, because I think that was the year I could have said hi to John Noveski, but you know, I was too shy. Yeah, if you should never be shy at shot show say hi to whoever you want
0: to yeah absolutely everyone there expects it and some of them even want it you know I mean some don't but most of them want it that show up I think yeah uh it's funny to think about it doubling in size because it's been huge for a long time it's always been pretty dang big or at least you know in the last five six years it's been pretty big and this year I didn't even really walk around all that much you know I mean I did some but I kind of like you said, Groundhog Day. Every trade show feels like that to me now. So it's kind of like I went and saw the things I wanted to see. I wanted to check out Geisley's new Arc platform, mm-hmm. uh, but they wouldn't let me look at the internals. So it was kind of a, I'm like, okay, here's an AR pattern rifle, and I'm just trusting everything you're telling me. You know.
1: Yeah, well, that was one thing that, that is happening at the show is a small frame ARs are getting. Uh... External ballistic upgrades. I think FN was doing one. Geyser was doing one. I mean, they had 224 Valkyrie like three years ago, but that was kind of a botched launch mm-hmm. because of like barrel specs were way off. So they couldn't group at all. Like the bullets weren't stabilizing or something like that. I don't know. I didn't jump into it, thankfully. And yeah, uh, yeah I think uh, Sons is looking, Sons of Liberty Gunworks is also looking into their. Thanks competitor to six millimeter arc basically
0: yeah it, uh, it, that whole cartridge war thing will be interesting to see play out we actually talked about um when i ran into you and your wife we talked about that uh valkyrie launch and Geisley definitely seems to have learned from that because they are they are building their own magazines or that whole <laughs> gun is built in-house you know they're not they're not messing around and they they announced it at last year's shot but then it you know they said it was going to be available sometime in the summer spring or summer and then it just never it just never came out never materialized at least for you know retail and they they're swearing now that it will for sure be out spring or summer this year and it sounded like it was a magazine thing like maybe sure. they were messing around and ASC's magazines just weren't performing very well for them or something but
1: Early adopters of the six, mil- six millimeter arc that I know that hunt in Texas with it, uh, yeah, they were complaining about the magazines. Each one needs to be like hand finessed, you got to dremel it yourself. I think like, you got to polish it and figure it out yourself. So, most people don't have that capability or that level of nerdiness, Go yeah. And, and then,
0: um, I can't remember who it was, uh, I think it was ASC. They went back and designed a follower specifically for the cartridge because everybody else was just using 6 Grendel followers and 6 Grendel mags. So then, like Stoner AR Stoner mags and stuff were coming, at least with the a- uh, ASC follower in them. So you did start to see like some improvement there. But uh, you know, I don't have—I might have I got lucky, but my mags run pretty good in mine. Um, haven't had any major issues, but I've—I've I've heard those complaints a lot. And aside from that, the other thing that blew up a shot that everyone's talking about was Hollisun's new uh, yeah. you know, holographic with a thermal overlay on it um, or thermal overlay. But the, I read, I don't know if this is true, or maybe I heard rather that that thermal overlay only works for like 65 meters or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it was actually Redbeard Tactical, the German infantry guy. That goes on the Seaburn podcast. He's the one who a- actually went to the booth and asks them, like, mm. "What's the range?" And they told him, "In uh, ideal conditions, you can get a man-sized target at 68 yards." Because this is this is a pretty important caveat because uh, the way thermal works, it works with the uh, temperature differential. So, like those uh, refrigerator-sized thermal units that were port uh, operating bases in Afghanistan, they had they have refrigeration units, so they're actively cooled so they have right. like ranges of miles right. and then modern thermal technology like a handheld ski diar has a range like uh, with a human for example about 900 yards and, and like uh, this is how you like gauge the quality of a, a thermal cuz they they say oh this is the detection range for a rabbit for a pig for a human for a car mm-hmm. so like uh, a human at 68 yards holy shit that's not very good cuz you know at 68 You're yards right. you can throw a football and hit hit em. Yeah, So so the whole use case of thermals detection, you want to be able to see a mammal like hundreds of yards in advance so you can prepare for your reaction. So you have a a faster OODA loop. Uh, The Cody, the clip-on thermal imager that the Marine Corps uh, is putting onto their night vision solution, and, you know, Delta Force Novers that they've used are the thermal hybrid that the big army is getting like that detection is one to 200 yards depending on external conditions. Like I showed a picture of it on my Twitter, just like you could see the, the tree lines temperature differential was able to be detected. I could see a mouse at 50 yards. Mm-hmm. So like, if you can't see a human at like 70 yards, like the use case for it, I don't think it's the use case is a, I actually joked about this with a, a friend. The use case is the money. A uh, transfer device like the Torx Judge, yeah. Toritz Judge is like, oh, it can shoot shot shells. It can shoot a forty five Long Colt or whatever, and it was just super neat to gun buyers who didn't really think about like the maybe if you have to blast a snake you know yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but you know the, the the main use case for the tourist judge is transferring money from boomers into gun store owners hands <laughs> and the main use case for the hollow sun thermal is you know maybe prove uh, prove that it can be done but it's mostly to transfer $2000 from zoomers into gun store owners hands cuz 68 yards that's perfect range for demoing on gun room uh, gun store showroom because yep. people won't detect the difference or the problems until they get out into the real world and like people are already defending it too they're like oh I shoot fucking hogs at 70 yards all the time and I'm like yeah but wouldn't you want to detect it before <laughs> you know like, right, right. Like, I'm trying to like make people think about it and I'm really glad Redbeard Tactical actually bothered to ask them I kind of avoided the hollow sun booth because you know I'm Taiwanese and I don't want to get tempted into buying from my friends in the western deserts of china i actually ran into the hollow sun ceo years ago super nice guy but i figured out the the business model it's uh you know how they have ghost towns in china yeah if you set up a factory in the fucking deep western deserts of china the government's gonna be hells yeah like you know no taxes will help you out Mm. then you're developing technology and it's, I have to admit, hollow sun products are pretty good. Like they, they can innovate quickly because it's cheap. Like their engineers are, you know, underpaid Chinese engineers. They're in subsidized factories in the Western deserts of China. They don't have to pay as much for their research and development or production. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so weird that freaking American gun companies are using rebranded hollow sun. So, I mean, if there was like a third world war, you could have Chinese soldiers, American soldiers and Russian soldiers all using hollow sun products.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. And in, in typical Sun fashion, by the time I got my hands on it, the, um, uh, that front cover had already like the latches were already broken. So you had to hold it up on your own. So it did the optic itself didn't even make it through one shot show. You know, uh, so it's like kind of funny, but well, they
1: don't care. They'll send you a brand new one because the profit margins must be insane. Because like the profit margins on American made or European optics, terrible. Yeah. European optics. Uh, I just learned from a surefire guy. They have a European optics import tax too. That's why aim points mm-hmm. and schmidt and benders cost so much more in the U S. So if you go to Europe, you know, on a bougie trip or something, you know, that's the time to buy your Rolex watches and you know, Schmidt and Bender scopes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. And I you know, the tech, the the idea seemed really neat, uh, but, but the performance is just not uh, it's just really not there, you know.
1: It is it was a huge crowd pleaser though, I gotta admit. This reminds me of the time when I had first discovered uh microthermal sites, maybe like Eight years ago, the Torrey Pines—they're mm-hmm. uh, a San Diego-based company. They were working on thermal sensor technology, like very tiny. It's about the size of an RMR, mm. and it had like a thermal detection capabilities. And I was like geeking out over it, right. Yeah. Then I talked to my friend, who's the 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 former NCOIC of Big Army Sniper School. He's like, "Oh yeah, I know that product. It has like a range of thirty yards." Oh <laughs> shit! Now, it wasn't useful, but you know, it was a very big crowd pleaser it's a, it's a cool thing but yeah for, for practical use i don't i don't know i think it's mostly just a gimmick yeah it, it will do its job of transferring money into gun store owners hands so i'll probably talk shit about it openly i might even buy one or two to, to sell even yeah. as i talk shit about it because I, I think some people won't even care they just want it, you know
0: well you got hands and getting money in your hands ain't bad (laughs) (laughs) um is there was there anything that actually really stood out to you at at the show
1: i would say uh night vision as usual the the evolution of night vision continues it's getting more and more affordable thanks to uh photonis is really bringing the heat because uh for a long time, you know, people made fun of Photonist tubes because they're the European-made uh, image intensifier tubes. Mm-hmm. But their, their quality is continuing to improve. And uh, they actually put me into a double-blind taste test type thing where I didn't even know it was going to be a taste test mm-hmm. where they gave me a bino and then they had a resolution chart and a very dark, they had a, in a dark section in the room and an extremely dark section of the room. They had me focus it, look at the resolution and all that, and uh, they had a strobe running. And then, they're like, oh, did you notice that one, one, one side is darker than the other? It's because the darker one is actually the L3 tube. And then the bright one is the photonist tube that can detect swear shortwave IR emissions. So I had no idea. I was looking at an wow. L3 versus a photonist tube. Wow. Uh, tube. This is a 2000 FOM tube. This is a 2500 FOM tube, and you know, I couldn't tell the difference with my, my eyeballs. So it really sold me. Because um, yeah. I know with night vision, people really chase numbers. But on a head mounted system, you generally can't tell the difference. Like the really sensitive, nice uh, resolution and signal to noise ratio tubes, they're, they're best exploited on magnified clip-on type stuff. So a headborne borne system, eh, fuck it, man. If you can get like uh, ninety percent of the performance, like ninety-five percent of the performance for fifty percent of the cost. Like, why why would you waste the money unless you were trying to show off to strangers on the internet? <laughs> what I think is, you know, a lot of the number chasing, so clock chasing. Yeah, so I'm sold on that. I'm definitely getting Fultonis spinals in. It'll probably be like sixty-five hundred dollars. Wow, for a decent pair of binos using three D printed polymer housings.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow, so what what's the weight on those, do you know?
1: Really light, yeah, because because it's all polymer. Right. And it's also like cheap to replace if you break it. So <laughs> yeah. I'll probably get a set and try to break it. I mean for me, uh, night vision is an expensive, extremely expensive, expendable item. It's a little insane, right? Thinking oh, this ten thousand dollar item on my head, it's gonna break. But you know, you ask any infantry guy, it's like how many knots have you broken? doing field training exercises and it's like yo, oh, i've like broken like fifty thousand dollars worth of nods, you know fixed <laughs> sand. it's because sure. the nods can't detect voids they can't detect depth right mm-hmm. so people tripping and falling smashing their night vision is pretty normal to be expected yeah. really yeah.
0: yeah absolutely yeah man i didn't know they were around 6500 for dual tubes that's It's a pretty new
1: product. Yeah, they're working with Nocturne Industries, which is out of New Hampshire. and They're doing all the crazy 3D printed shit. They're the people who did the 3D printed uh, quad tubes that are super lightweight. Yeah. So uh, I think they were offering quad tubes for around $15,000. Nope. Was oh, the recording back?
0: Yeah, was that? I couldn't tell oh. if that was me or you, so I was just shutting up.
1: Oh. Yeah, I think it was probably me. Yeah,
0: it, it won't matter because it will upload from your side, so it'll be it'll be clear. I just couldn't hear what you said.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I was talking about the the Nocturne Industries people. They are the people doing the three D printed night vision housings, so yeah. they're really driving down the price. Them and the Chinese. So unfortunately, the Chinese are actually getting decent at night So their housings are actually pretty cheap, pretty well made. So like right now you can get the premium actin black housings for three grand, and then you have to get get the tubes and the glass and all that. They yeah, have the Chinese stuff's like a thousand. You know, the, the American 3D printed stuff is Comparable to the Chinese mass-produced stuff.
0: Yeah, that that's actually happened. I was talking with people in the bunkhouse on this. Um, that's starting to happen with uh, like hunting scopes too and optics. Really? Uh, China in the last, I would say, three to five years has what they have uh, their production quality has really gone up. It, I mean, mm-hmm. it used to be five, six, ten years ago. Chinese made scopes were just kind of garbage and now they they're honestly not that bad anymore. Um I was talking to a friend that's in that side of the industry and he was saying, he's like, Look, man, uh, they got enough money in. Now they're running the same machines as other people, and <laughs> like it's just the difference is not that big anymore, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, so they've got the domestically educated engineers who get paid a lot less and they can import the machines from Europe and America because we' we'll, you know it's the whole uh, quote Lenin had right uh, the capitalists will sell us the rope with which we hang them yeah you know, like <laughs> <laughs> Americans they got to sell machines you know and if China's willing to buy a shitload of machines I guess they'll do it
0: yeah, yeah it's unfortunate I guess we can um, We can lay that one at the feet of Kissinger. (laughs) But here we are. So,
1: What else did I see? Oh, man. Uh, I think there's still shortages affecting the industry. But demand disruption because of economic policies is starting to hit the industry, I think, where people probably can't afford to buy as many guns as they wanted to and maybe the market might be getting saturated but despite all that you know the high ultra high end on ars is still closed like the knights armament lmt you still can't buy their products even if they want it even if you want it. Uh, hopefully they can open up their books this year because you know i I do a, a lot of business with them yeah
0: yeah, CAC is supposed to be coming out with uh, their what, 2.0 suppressor, too. Did you hear about that while you were down there?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the local police departments was like one of their early adopters of their 3D-printed flow-through suppressors.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think uh, it's because of Pew Science. That one one man changed the whole direction of the industry. Wow. Yeah, I, I know uh, Surefire is releasing theirs sometime this year. Uh, some guy found their patents for it and that made it to the internet
2: so officially
1: um, surefire has no comment but unofficially i'm pretty sure the rc3 is coming out this year
0: yeah hopefully i mean hopefully we can see a change in suppressor laws or else we're going to be waiting 18 months now to get one this new brace thing
1: uh oh yeah yeah the brace uh the brace thing. i think people at the show were all just like Meh. Who cares? I, I don't think they were, like, panicking or freaking out
0: about it. Yeah. Did you see the one guy who was walking around with a microphone on a brace and sticking it in the ATF oh, yeah, guy's yeah, face? Yeah. In that, guy's you know? <laughs> that was really funny. And then another dude apparently uh, had him sign his brace, had one of the ATF agents yeah, sign his brace.
1: It he's, uh, <laughs> he's the range manager for Security Gun Club. He does a bunch of work with the uh, Washington gun law. He's one of the n- best YouTube lawyers, gun lawyers.
0: It's very funny. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah.
1: guy getting harassed all show. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I didn't even see their booth. Uh, I just, I guess, I didn't make it that far. But
1: is it a deer piss section? Oh, it uh, was. Yeah, the dungeon.
0: Yeah, no wonder that yeah of course they went in the deer piss section like try to get around FUDS someone who's going to be like at least a little more amenable uh, well
1: what was <laughs> it the show was getting kind of weird because like SIG pulled out right and a lot of companies mm-hmm. are thinking about pulling out so a lot of companies did pull out and came back to the show and they got dumped into the deer piss section
2: because
1: mm-hmm. of that COVID year they don't want to waste the money uh, Yeah. so it was like the dungeon is weird it's like you have like stupid companies with big companies all next to each other so it's really mixed it's worth it's always been worth exploring like for me that's where i go to uh find the most opportunities because like you know the big show section they don't need you they're just trying to show off right the the blue chip companies small companies they're willing to do business more i think
0: yeah, Glock buys a three million dollar booth every year to show the same gun they've shown for the last, yeah. you know, twenty years. Although they did come out with that new trigger uh, that they're very proud of, yeah, for the Gen fives.
1: As long as it actually retains drop safety, that's the main thing with all these upgraded Glock triggers. Is like, who knows if the uh, drop safety still still working? It's a very balanced system. If you add any mass to that. I'm glad Glock did it. Honestly, they're they're like ten years late, but
0: yeah. yeah. From yeah. what I could tell, it looked a lot like the Timney system, uh, mm-hmm. the Timney upgrade for Glocks. Which, from what you know, from what I've, I, I've, I have one friend that dropped a Timney in his, and uh, we were shooting in Utah, and it failed a couple times. He, you know, he had probably five or six thousand rounds on it by then, but it started to fail. Um, and then I've heard, I, I've never seen it, but I've heard that those timonies are maybe not drop safe. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, because I definitely have a. Uh, was it my previous vice president? He had one of his upgraded clocks go off because he upgraded the trigger. Yeah, so, and yeah. Uh, you know, narrowly missed a, a friend's ankle.
0: You know? like,
1: we're done shooting for the day. You know, it's like <laughs> they were setting up and it happened. Too. That was that uh, was really lucky. So yeah, gotta be careful
0: yeah and i mean honestly people make i mean i'm a fan of good triggers but people do make a little bit too much of triggers sometimes in my opinion but that's a whole other discussion it is just funny that you know glock they're getting hammered for not innovating and then you know 10 years later they're building a drop-in trigger they won't sell you a gun with that trigger in it but they'll sell you the trigger And you have to take it to a Glock armor, certified armor, you know, to get it installed. And I don't know,
1: man. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, people who are like uh, making solutions, looking for problems are annoying. And so Glock makes makes the Glock. They should just focus on making the Glock. They really shouldn't be trying to like reinvent the wheel every year. I mean, it's kind of like how other companies uh, every year they release a Glock killer. You know, when I first got in business like what, 15 years ago, or 12 years ago. Yeah. Every other year there's a new Glock killer. I don't even, I've forgotten most of their names. Like mm-hmm. it's the mm-hmm. FN. What? I don't know. Who cares? It's yeah. like long gone. <laughs> and,
0: uh, it's true. Yeah, it's true. I mean, stuff that works, it's hard to, it's, I mean, it's hard to argue with. It works. It is what it is, you know? And also like price point. I mean, SIG, SIG pistols are great. They're fun to shoot. They're well-made and all of that. But, you know, you're paying twice as much for the gun, so.
1: Oh, shoot. I don't even know. I'm not, I'm not really part of the SIG infrastructure. I mean, I've kind of dabbled, got my toes in, but yeah, I haven't really had a chance to really dive into the SIG products. But, you know, I gave them time to mature because I know, like, uh, early stuff is always a little bit weird Mm mm-hmm so the 320 and 365 seems to have
0: matured now yeah yeah I mean all my friends that shoot them love them and you know they feel good but whatever and it's also for me it's still just a sidearm yeah I mean like it's yes it's the gun that you carry the most and all of that but you know and some these guys do these uh shit hit the fan fantasy hour things you know and uh I never You know, I never used a sidearm in country. You know, I mean, had one, but never used it. So, like, I just think people they weigh they put too much money in pistols, in my opinion. But that's probably a controversial take.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's true. Like, like you're a cop, you know, that's your number one gun. But it's like, yeah, twenty five yards under combat conditions with a pistol—that's like Delta Force style grandmaster yeah like, eh. yeah you're not nobody's really not everyone's Jerry Mikulik. you know so right, that's why right. I like people going to competitions and learning their their true limitations and seeing what a pistol can actually do yeah I think it was that book I read like you can't miss by John Shaw like he was like the, one of the first oh, I got it, right. kind of a I'm a podcast talk later <laughs> but, yeah. was it uh he was saying uh to hit a running person at 25 yards you have to lead by like three feet with a 45 acp and it's like holy crap i didn't know that that's an insane amount of lead yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely for sure well in uh closing because we're going to do this with a couple people like I said do you have what what tell people what they're missing because everybody wants to go to shop because it's you know it's the cool guy thing uh
1: Oh, I guess I could give them like a real assessment of it. It's, it's an yeah. industry show. So like every time you go, like the first time I went I was so desperate to go right but you know I was kind of in the business at then I was still growing but most people who go as tourists I realize they're kind of wasting their time. So everyone who goes as a, tur- as a tourist goes once. <laughs> to say hey they're part of the scene it's me you know the guy who is a facebook admin or whatever but they never go back because because why like why would you spend thousands of dollars and like a whole week of your time to just go kick tires like if you're there for business oh yeah you have to it makes sense but like, yeah if you're just going there to like clout chase and stuff, eh, why don't you go to Hawaii instead, man? Like, <laughs> well, life is short. Like go, 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 actually have fun. I guess if you super love guns. You want to be a tourist? Sure, but even like the people I know who are tourists, they they've only ever gone once, and they generally don't go back because you know they're smart individuals. They figure it out on their own. Eh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you know, like TFB TV, they do a pretty good job covering stuff. I mean, they're going to hit the high points if you really want to see what's coming out. They, um, they do a good job. I mean,
1: if you do end up going, I'd recommend dressing like uh, you're going hiking. I mean, that's one thing I learned from my first shot show because Monty from Centurion Arms, he's a a SEAL Team Seven guy. He brought like two pairs of boots, and he would always uh, dust. Would cycle between the boots and then you know, dust them, let them cool off. just like if you were going on like a hiking type thing where you gotta really take care of your feet because you're walking probably twelve miles a day and talking the whole time. So you gotta keep chugging water. Also, it's Vegas. It's super dusty and dry. So, you know, I started like getting a cough just from the the environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you're walking on hard concrete most of the time unless you're up in the like inside the booths and stuff. So yep. that's
1: why I couldn't drink, you know, because uh, my old uh, injury from my OCS bid made, made me have to limp around, which I did do like 2016. I, I had a boot on, still was, you know, walking miles a day, air cast. So. <laughs> yeah. Really unpleasant. Yeah. At that point, I was ready to, I should have just gotten a hover around, you know, because, mm-hmm. oh, that's one thing you see a lot at Shao Show, like really obese people with. Uh, mobility chairs or whatever. Mm -hmm. I used to make fun of them all over that, but I realized I was just a young prick, you know? So now it's like, that's going to be me one day. I'll I'll need that one day. (laughs) Anytime soon.
0: Yeah. It's like going to Walmart, except for everything's very expensive.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) What was, uh, what else? Anything else that you saw?
0: No, not really, man. (laughs) Nothing really stuck out. Um, Yeah.
1: It's just all evolutionary. So on the tactical side, oh night vision's getting cheaper and better. Gear is getting better, guns are getting better, like with the external ballistics, you know. Yeah. I got to see FN's uh, machine gun, the side loading, yeah, uh, the top loading one. I was like, that's genius. How come nobody thought of it before that? And I was like, Can I take a picture of this? Like, yeah, with the latch closed. Yeah, know, right. Mechanism. But it mm-hmm. was like genius design. I was like Yeah, not having to stick your hand way, way up to reload your machine gun, that's probably going to be a huge benefit.
0: Yeah, that was cool. The one thing I regret not being able to see that I really wanted to see was EOTech's new NGOL competitor. Oh, Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. EOTech, uh, God bless them. They kissed my ass for like half an hour. Gave me like cigars and everything. Uh, Gave me a full uh, demo on it. It is Q4 for the military variant. Military mm-hmm. LE variant, and then probably sometime after that for the civilian. So, because they're pushing it that far out, I'm saying don't hold your breath and be like the start of Q4. It might, it might be the end of Q4, Q1, Q2, even. But, you know, their engineering sample and demos that they had there, it's like it looks pretty close to done to me, but they must be fine tuning it. Who knows what else they, they, they're, they're running into. Because we're right down the street from B. E. Myers, so I get to the ins and out of laser engineering and what a pain in the ass it can be, especially sourcing components and whatnot in this uh, post-COVID era. So right, <laughs> right, know, yeah. Well,
0: well,
1: well,
0: I'm looking forward to that one whenever it comes out. Sounds like maybe 2024 for us on the retail side.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that was like 2100 was the sticker price for Mill Ellie, which is really good.
0: Yeah. So
1: hopefully, uh-huh. a civilian variant keeps it at that
0: level yeah, yeah that would be awesome man i'm looking forward to it well thanks for coming on it's always fun yeah. it's uh weapons outfitters it's weapon with no yeah. s though right
1: Yeah, singular people yeah. always get that wrong Oh well. <laughs>
0: yeah. weapon outfitters uh dot com buy stuff from him he's he's also got like the best customer service in the business if i if i do say so when i had a buddy that was coming out and he'd he'd bought a mall her or ordered them all from you he was coming huh. out here to wolf hunt and coyote hunt and stuff and it didn't come in in time and you just shipped him one to use for that hunt i don't know if you remember that but
1: that sounds like something i do yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome it was very cool so great guy buy, buy stuff from him thanks roy thank you all right this is our first two-parter continuing our conversation on shot and we were trying to like just get a more, uh, we were just talking about this before, but kind of get a more rounded and kind of broad view of the show because there really is so much to see. So I reached out to uh, Dianexus to ask if he would come on. Uh, if you guys are on Twitter, you probably know who he is. He's like always posting badass magazines like the moon is haunted and shit. Like, <laughs> so what, what else do you do, man? If like, let the people know.
2: So I'm actually uh, outside of Twitter and everything. I'm actually an accountant. Which, no, no very, kidding? Yeah, uh, 100% serious. I'm actually an accountant, which kind of helped me out, you know, running my own business and, you know, just doing everything else. But I'm an accountant uh, in my day-to-day life. I get on Twitter and I just post all day, you know. <laughs> Working with numbers all day, you're just kind of like on edge and just I don't know, having fun on the internet just kind of helps takes that away. Oh, but, yeah, I get it. Uh, I run a custom magazine company. We do basically anything laser engraving on different accessories for, you know, ARs. Fox and all that stuff, not on the actual firearms themselves, but everything else.
0: Right. 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 On the accessories and like mags. Like you said, I see a lot yeah. of those. You got a Chick-fil-A mag. That's pretty popular. It's cool looking.
2: Yeah. And then of course I'm Mexican, so we got to have something some the, the one on there yeah. and we do a bunch of, uh, we do a bunch of ones kind of like catered towards the Mexican demographic because you know,
0: it's me, my culture yeah. representing yourself.
2: Oh yeah. So was this your first shot? Yeah, it was. Um I got in under my own business, which was pretty cool because I had other people offering to get me in saying, hey, you know, we'll we'll get you in under mine, whatever the hell, you know, that way you can experience it. I thought, might as well try and see if I can get under my own accord. And I did. So cool. it was my first time I shot show ever.
0: Right on. You make some good connections, it seemed like on Twitter, you might huh?
2: Yeah, actually I did. Um I got to kind of nerd out with one of the uh, uh the head of marketing for Palmetto State Armory and showed him some of the stuff that we've done with their magazines and told me hey do a couple for me and that was actually kind of the highlight of my uh shot show experience because up until that point i didn't know kind of what i was doing there because i was it's a lot to take in when yeah. I, it's your first time there so i didn't know what i was doing but then when i kind of started talking to him i was like okay this is what i should be doing marketing networking and kind of putting myself out there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Especially if you're trying to grow your your business, you know. Um, so is this like uh, doing personal mags for him? Or like testing to see if they're going to do like some crossover stuff? or?
2: Yeah, um, a little bit of both. He wants them for his personal collection. And then he wants to do some on like, like a Gucci line of AKs that they're coming out with. And cool. they're going to toss them in those.
1: So Very cool. it's pretty
2: cool. So I, I can't talk too much about it but uh yeah that's sure. pretty much just a bit
0: when you were talking to them did they bring up because the rumor's been for a couple years now that they were going to start making 545 that they had like imported machines or were working on importing yeah. machines or something
2: yeah so uh, I, I asked them about that um they're going forward making um uh, 762 5.45 and um 300 blackout which i think they're actually already making that's
0: badass dude if they start making 545 i'm going to be a very happy guy
2: yeah, because uh, they're coming out with that crank. They're coming out with their own crink model it's going to run a 545, 300 black, M 762. So they're yep. going to be producing ammo for everything.
0: Hell, yeah. And that's like back in the day. I mean, I know you know this, but I, maybe listeners don't. Uh, roughly, oh, what? Maybe, f- maybe as recent as five years ago. It could be longer, though. I'd like it, pre and post-COVID, it's hard to know anymore. It's like all that time just ran together. But anyway, r- fairly recently, You could still get a tuna can of 545 for like 200 bucks. Yep. Uh, And now it's like a buck 20 around. It's like shooting my arc, man. I mean, I I don't even price it anymore, so I'm just kind of talking to my butt. But it got extremely expensive, uh, at least relative to where it was. Um,
2: Yeah, because, I mean, prior to COVID, I only had ARs and fucking locks. Right. So I didn't have any AKs. And everybody tells me, obviously, now that I'm more into that. You know how cheap ammo was you know ak ak762 used to be what like four cents a round or something that you'd say you could get a for. yeah it was
0: crazy uh so if it was if a tuna can was 150 to 200 i think those were 1100 round or 1200 round will we put in chat i can't remember if they were 1200 or... anyway um yeah, so somewhere around twenty cents or less around P- you know, PPR. Uh but yeah, I mean like we used to shoot rabbits with them and stuff because it was so cheap. It was like an upgrade from twenty two, you know, like Jack Rabbits. But now it's I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's like shooting any other gun at this point.
2: But, yeah, and then and then these days, you know, an AK build is running you anywhere from you know, Palmetto has their deals for seven hundred bucks and then, you know, they also sell their little better lines for around a thousand bucks. But everybody yeah. tells me, you know, f- four or five years ago, you could get one for like 500 bucks, you know, the most expensive or whatever.
0: Yeah, man. When I was younger, like around high school, you could find freaking AKs for like 250, you know? Yeah. See? Like Mosans were like $89. You know? yeah,
2: yeah. Apparently they couldn't even get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. And funny thing was I remember out of high school. So, uh, so in my state, you never used to have to do a background check for a, uh, Personal firearm selling. Mm-hmm. Now you do as of like four years ago, as of our last governor. But somebody offered me a Mosin when I was like twenty years old, and they were trying to sell it to me for like sixty bucks. And I thought sixty dollars, oh, this probably thing is going to be worth it, so I I passed up on it. Which yeah, I re- which I regret now.
0: Yeah, I don't own a Mosin, but I kind of have a few of those. Thinking back, I wish I'd have snagged too. I, a buddy of mine had an SKS in high school um that he wanted to sell, which I guess might have been. I don't even know if that would have been legal, but kids, I know for sure kids did it back then, but, uh, and he wanted like 175 bucks for it or something like that. And I wish I would have snagged that thing. Now you go on gun broker, they're like a grand yeah. for an SKS, you know? Oh yeah. It's nuts. The, and it's the, the, obviously the hope is that, um, PSA can get that PPR down. I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're. I have no idea what they're looking at when they when they first come out but hopefully they can get it down somewhere manageable
2: yeah and then you saw the stg that they're coming out with right
0: i did and the nerds are all pissed off because internally it's like not the same internals right
2: yeah what what i do like about it is the magazine's the same for every variant they're going to have yeah 762 mag um 300 blackout and 223 mag all going to be the same thing just different follower
0: yeah, it's a very cool concept too. And it looks good. Um, I bought an A K B last year. My buddy talked me into snagging one from PSA just to try. And I haven't had any problems with it, man. I've been pretty happy with it. I think I paid four ninety nine for it. I mean I changed all the furniture and all that. But but yeah, you can still get like some pretty half decent stuff. Even though I tease people about PSA rifles a little bit, I actually think PSA is like doing the like the the most work for 2a right now in america I think, pretty I think we've
2: seen a psa go from kind of like bottom level joke in the last two years suddenly becoming okay no they're kind of you know the bare minimum of what you should be ordering
0: yeah yeah they're pretty they're not bad man they're really not i i tease people but they're really not bad. Mostly, mm-hmm. the guys that deserve to get teased are the dudes that have like eight PSA AR-15s, you know, and then they complain about the price of like a Noveski or something. Yeah, um, or they have
2: the- all the uh, red accents all over their, all over their stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the radical firearms people. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's I will a whole say other- though,
2: uh, did you see the uh, the price for that SDG though? No, I didn't. Yeah, the I think. Uh, we overheard them saying those things are gonna run north of like three grand to four. What holy crap, no yeah. way. Yeah. If you want the uh the eight millimeter Kurtz or whatever round it is, it's gonna be northwards of almost like four grand.
0: Holy cow, I didn't realize it was that high.
2: Yeah. Well, count but, me out on that. But that's gonna be for the uh the first line of those. Obviously, the price is probably gonna go down as they get production going, but yeah, you're looking around like three ish man
0: yeah, the old rule of business, right? Never try to make up in volume, you know? Um, so if it's a $4,000 gun, it's got to be like a $4,000 gun. Um, I don't know, dude. That's crazy. I, I don't need to LARP that bad, I guess. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what else did you see at shot that, that like kind of piqued your interest?
2: I know everybody's talking about that hollow optic. Yeah. I'm sure Roy probably talked about it too from Weapon Outfitters. But you know, that was kind of the talk of the show. And I know like, you know, Derek from Mogun's got kind of blew up because he was pointing it at people and the whole thing. But yeah, that was kind of like the talk of the show that everybody was looking at there as well yeah. as the, um, the uh, EOTech, their their new laser.
0: Yeah, that that kind of NGOL competitor. That yeah. thing's cool. Um, yeah, Roy and I talked a little bit about that too. And I think he said... If I remember correctly, I think he said it was going to retail somewhere it's going I'm going to sound retarded because it's going to be in the same episode. But I think he said it was going to retail somewhere around 2200 bucks or something like that. Yeah, is, somewhere around there. That's pretty damn good, man. Considering a mall, I mean a mall maybe, I don't know if it, you know, it's maybe it's a better system, but uh you know, you're 3700, 3800 for a mall right now, at least last I looked.
2: Yeah, you know, a $1500 difference is, you know, it's pretty good savings.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Especially if it works. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, I trust EOTech. I like their products, so I, I'm sure it's going to be pretty good. And the rest of the show was kind of, I feel like sh- trade shows in general, um, not just shop, but like ATA, like the archery show, I feel like it's the same kind of thing. There's always somebody that tries to come out with You know, some revolutionary seeming thing that catches the attention of people, but then Mm -hmm. all the big companies are just iterating on, on their same design. And a lot of times, especially in archery, uh, completely unnecessarily, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of a whole bunch of boosts, you know, sort of same thing. Geisley's new arc. I talked about that already, but that's an interesting thing. Um, I don't know. Was there any other guns? Oh, yeah. We already talked about that
2: one, though. Uh, the Magpul one that they're coming out with, the little uh, briefcase-looking one. Oh. P- the, what the hell is it called? PC or something Did like that? Did you see
0: that one? I didn't get to
2: see it. Yeah, I got to see it. I took a picture of it. That one was cool. It's like folds out, right? Yeah, the one that's uh, with Zev or whatever.
0: Yeah, and it's like you push a button, and then it folds out into kind of a carbine type thing, like a PCC.
2: Yeah. So it's supposed to, they have two variants of it. They have the, um, obviously the pistol version, which has no buttstock whatsoever. You're supposed to hold it to your cheek. And then they have the, uh, SPR version, which you can buy directly from them and form for it. Oh, uh, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's a cool concept, I guess. Um, th- like kind of a throwback to the old, uh, MP5 in a briefcase, you know,
2: so, so speaking of MP5, I really hope that, you know, Paul Palmetto's new stuff doesn't go the way of their MP5 announcement way back when,
0: right? Well, then they say, didn't they say at this shot that they're still trying to get that MP5 clone out?
2: No, I heard they were completely out because there was one person that was behind that entire thing and mm. he ended up quitting.
0: Oh, Okay. Well, and then with the whole Brace span and import thing, and that whole MP5 clone business is going to be interesting for a little while anyway, uh, at least yeah. until we see what happens in court. Yeah, man, I thought it was like... I mean, it's always cool, fun to hang out with buddies and network, but I just honestly... I mean, I know people want to go, and they should go, but yeah. I, I think they're, they're missing out on way less than they think they
2: are. You know what I mean? I think so, too. I think for me, it was... You know, at first, like, very overwhelming, but once I got the rhythm of it, I was like, okay, I know which boots to kind of go visit, where everybody's going, let me go check these out, let's see what these people are doing. There's obviously a lot of boots that are catered to stuff that civilians are never going to be able to buy. You know, you go over to Daniel Defense's booth, and it's pretty much 90% military-only stuff. Yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. Cool to, take, cool,
2: to, cool to check those out, cool to take pictures with the, you know, M249s and everything, but You know, regular civilians aren't going to be able to get those. Right. Um, You
0: know, unless somehow, God willing, things change. But,
2: yeah. Uh, Did you happen to check out that RISE trigger? I didn't get to see it, but. No, I went by their booth. But when I went, there was, uh, they were uh, doing some video there. So we really couldn't check it out.
0: I had a couple of buddies who I really trust mess with it. And they said it was the most interesting AR trigger they've ever seen. And, like, they're going to buy one as soon as they're available.
2: Did you check, did you go by a Franklin Armory booth? Uh-uh. So they have a binary um upper for a Glock.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: Yeah, binary trigger and upper one system. And, you know, you just pop it on your Glock 17. So your Glock's binary.
0: Interesting. And it's no. cool
2: because they ha- it, it looks like the exact same, like a G18, that same type of switch. But mm-hmm. it's not full auto. You no, know, it's just you know, one and one.
0: Interesting. Yeah. No, I didn't see that. Well, I, I, I still like that kind of stuff, though, just pressing the limits and see, you know. Like, if you think back to, like, the whole brace band, where we're at with the brace band thing, really, not that this is exactly related, but really the reason that uh, the ATF is even, you know, trying to put the genie back in the bottle here is because there's, like, somewhere between 3 and 40 million of those things out there. So yeah. any anything you can get approved and shove into the market sounds great to me, you know.
2: Exactly. Because I mean, like 40, like 40 million of those out there, you really think people are going to destroy every single one of those? Right. It's like, not happening, dude. I, I think they re- they released their numbers on the uh, bump stock ban, what, like three weeks ago? And they only had, what was like under 900? Yeah. Turned in or something?
0: Out of like half a million sold, something like that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So they're all still out there. And now right. with, the, uh, with that whole bump stock ban being overturned suddenly people are digging them up refining them in a lake you know
0: <laughs> yeah uh yeah something tells me that uh, you might see some more of that yeah the it's as, as far as like the gun industry goes in general i wonder you know I, I jokingly said on twitter recently that uh no one's gonna overtake the ar-15 until they come up with like a plasma rifle or you know, something that shoots like magnetically or, you know, lightning bolts or some shit yeah. because like everything just keeps looking more and more like an AR and going to shot, just confirmed that to me, you know, pretty much like even
2: like Hell sig wasn't even there to show off their spear to the regular, you know, to those regular folks. But the yeah, the day, it's still kind of an AR.
0: Yeah. 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 It's definitely an iteration on that stoner platform for sure. And I heard that what happened with sig was they, they they felt like they kind of got screwed i don't this is just rumor you know this is not like coming from anywhere but uh rumor at the show was they felt like they kind of got screwed throughout the covid thing or through the covid deal and they felt like it was like a three million dollar investment with zero payoff so they just said screw it like why would i
2: yeah because last year wasn't their booth like the largest one what they were work locked was this year and they had like a was it, like a 3 chair booth at sig last
0: year I, th- I think it was a three, I didn't go last year, but yeah, I heard, I was talking to a guy who was at their booth and I think he said that it was like a $3 million booth for the week, which is, I mean, that's a huge chunk. I mean, it's an enormous company, right? But that's still a huge yeah. chunk of your marketing budget put toward wh- one like event. What? Yeah. And like, what do you really get out of it? I mean, last year, maybe it could make sense because you, d- you are announcing like some new platforms and stuff, um, or maybe not. I guess they had just got the defense contracts, so they weren't announcing anything, but but yeah, like just maybe to kind of flex a little bit, maybe it makes sense, but I, I get it. I, I heard another rumor that Glock is talking about not coming back, which would be really surprising. Yeah. See,
2: I, I, I think that would I could see that happening because Glock's booth this year, I don't know. I, I've never seen obviously shot, shot before, but Glock's booth was very plain. They had, you know, if you go there, it's just a giant white lighting. Like, yes, look at our perfection. And there's three <laughs> tiny little, you know, mall-sized kiosks.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, they other than they came out with that new trigger that's got, like, a sear in it and stuff. Um, yeah. Other than that, it's just a Glock again, which is, you know, it's kind of Glock's thing, so it, it really doesn't make sense for them either. Like, unless they had something to announce for real.
2: Cause it's already perfect you got yeah. that glock perfection. there's nothing else you can improve on it
0: <laughs> they finally cut serades uh into the slide what was that last year maybe two years ago or something but yeah uh you know and i'm an unapologetic glock stand. so i mean they work
2: the one cool thing that i did um see there was that lone wolf's precision booth so you know obviously you know people do the p80s and all that stuff and then there's a serialized version Mm-hmm. So Lone Wolf Precision, they're I think they're gonna continue doing their P80s, but they can release serialized ones. But theirs actually are um, compatible with Glock Gen 5 parts. And oh, they're gonna start producing Gen 5 Glock parts kits. So mm. obviously, right now, like I, I'm I'm in the 3D printing world, and there's a lot of people that are trying to, you know, design Gen 5 Glock stuff, but there's no parts kits out there. There's no no triggers really. Unless you're trying to spend, you know, $400 from one of these Gucci companies.
0: Right. That, um, that is interesting. So on this, help me out here on the serialized 80% lower, what, what is even the, like, what do you, what is even the draw to that?
2: Government doesn't know about it or, you know.
0: Oh, so it's serialized, but so it's still the same as the old
2: P80, but now it's serialized yeah pretty much well the the serialized versions it's going to be if you want to build it out you can but otherwise you can just buy it completely done you're basically just going to be buying their lower
0: right kind of like a shadow systems type deal
2: yeah pretty much but they said depending how the atf thing goes you know they might release the unserialized version just depends how it goes
0: oh right so the serialized one still would ha- require an ffl transfer yeah Okay, right. that's the part I was confused about. So at that point, oh, I see what you're saying. They would build it. I, I see, I see. So they would actually build it out, and you would just be buying there lower and yeah, get your slide from wherever. Yeah, yeah. I could see that with his with his you know many cool slides that are out there now, and just kind of upgrade your Glock from the ground up, you know, or Glock clone, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> I don't know. I wonder about that too. I think you know, I'm by no means an attorney, but. It seems like the the P eighty thing is. I mean, again, I'm not an attorney, but it seems like that one's gonna have a little bit. Uh, like at least public sentiment would be more against something like that. Whereas I think when the average person finds out how many braces are out there, like public sentiments can be like, "What are you doing? You just made forty million felons in this country. That's nuts," you know. Whereas like the spooky ghost gun lower might you know work in an ad campaign you know what I mean
2: yeah that's the funny thing that's apparently just because you make a gun at home it's a hundred times more deadly than <laughs> one that you can buy at a store with a serialized
0: frame yeah even though a lot of people that are making them at home are so bad at like fit and function that they they don't like really run all that good some people yeah. make them run great but
2: oh yeah don't get me wrong there's those people that just they can do one in so my, my buddy AG cast he had this little uh stream where he was like okay let's see how quick I can put together a clock lower, you know, drill it, all that stuff, P80. And I think it took them around 45 minutes, still a little rough. The yeah. average person, like, hell, the first time I did it, I, I was just watching YouTube videos. I think it took me an hour and a half, and I still, like, ended up messing it up. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've never done one, but I, I can imagine um, you start talking about, like, busting out a micrometer to make sure you're not screwing stuff up. It's going to take some time for sure. Yeah. the It's an interesting t- one thing I did notice that shot is there, there seemed to be a pretty big gap between certain segments of the industry and kind of like the, the more, I don't know, maybe say just like the average person there because people like yeah. on the more tech side, they didn't give a shit about the brace thing really at all. And then most of the average attendees, that was like every conversation that was going on on the side. Was yeah. Something every, to do with
2: everybody was making the whole SBR joke the entire time that I was there. Yeah. You know, I thought I made it a few times, but yeah, everybody was pointing as though, all those people shipped their stuff out there, you know, two weeks prior. So that was before the ruling even came out.
0: Yeah. Which they totally did on purpose. Um, yeah. And I, Someone I asked somebody about this recently, but it's going to be interesting to see what like you know the the company that makes SBA I can't even remember their their company name now, but that makes the SBA braces series of braces. It's gonna be interesting to see what they do now. You know, like you try to convert into like making more traditional stocks or what? I I have no idea what what they do because that's a saturated market already. Like everybody likes B five yeah. and BCM. You know?
2: Yeah. How does You know, Magpul's, you know, the big name doing all that stuff too. Everybody Mm -hmm. has a Magpul stock or, you know, Fab Defense, whatever else. There's 200 different stocks that you can buy from when you're building your first AR.
0: Right. Right. And all tried and true. And
2: And then how how often do you really replace that? I don't think I've ever, once I put a stock on any of my ARs, I don't think I've ever replaced it.
0: Yeah. I can only, my six arc is the only one that I've messed around with too much, like trying out different stocks, but. Um, that was also because you know, messing around with the new cartridge trying to decide how I really wanted to run it and stuff like that. But yeah, to your point, most people don't ever switch them again. The the fact is, like, the difference is just
2: not enough to
0: make a you know,
2: like, I will say this the people that are into like the braces, I've seen them switch out their different brace or blade options a lot more than people who have gotten a stock just because they're like, okay, this one's a little too uncomfortable whatever the hell is. And they buy like three or four or five of them.
0: That's i out. I totally believe that I've got an SBA three on one and I, I rented it at a couple courses and I didn't like the way it shouldered at all. Um, especially like in rooms and stuff. So then, you know, I used a buddy's SBA four one time just to like, check it out or maybe it's yeah. SBA four. Um, and it was way better. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to order one of those. And then, you know, this brace rolling thing. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> Yeah. So what, um, did you see anything else that you can, oh gosh, I got to say this one, one more thing. I can't remember if I said it earlier in the episode, but the funniest part to me with the hollow sun was by the time I got to it, the lens cover was already broken. So it wouldn't like (laughs) you had to hold it up.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, everybody was really fucking with that thing and just kind of beating it up. I saw a lot of people drop the gun. Oh, really? Repeatedly not, I don't know, obviously probably not on purpose. There's a lot of people just kind of passing it back and forth. And I just kept seeing that thing just take a beating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about it a little bit earlier, but it's been interesting to see how Hollison's like they're, they're actually getting better made over time too. Not just like iterating on tech or improving on tech, but
2: um, they're getting better made too. So was there like primary arms, primary arms too. Like, they're some of my favorite optics, you know, their LVPOs that they had. I finally got to test them out there because that was the one really cool thing that I actually appreciated being able to do there was being able to test out all these different optics that I've never been able to find, like, at local shops and see how they looked. Because obviously, Mm -hmm. like, I have very bad astigmatism, and if I just buy a regular old red dot, it's going to look crap to me. But mm-hmm. then I took a chance of buying a primary arms one. And those are probably the clearest ones that I've used. So I kind of stuck to them. And I know they had have, have their prism lines and everything. But I've only used an LVPO that like, a couple of my buddies have had. But they have Vortex ones, uh, all three of them. So I was like, okay, cool. I finally get to try out some cool stuff. Let me take advantage of this stuff. And I think if you're just a regular person, not in the industry, that's where you can kind of benefit from it. Mm. is testing out new products that you might want to actually buy in the future, see how they look, see how you kind of want to set your rifle up to use this product and get a good idea.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, did you, speaking of that, did you go to range day?
2: No, I didn't.
0: I didn't either, but I heard that some manufacturer had a rifle out there that, uh, kept jamming uh something was going wrong i can't remember any. it was failure to fire for some reason and when the when they were like questioning the the rep about it he's like oh no this just this happens sometimes it's no big deal it's nothing out of the norm and everybody was like <laughs> well,
2: probably should have like, kept are, that are too you sure, so. man i don't think that's something you should be saying out loud <laughs> yeah
0: so there's, I wish I'd miss, I miss I missed that one. Um I wish I'd have been there for that, just for the just for the lulls. But yeah, for me, I just I went to hang out mostly with a buddy and um a real good buddy and meet up with some other people and you know, I got most of that done, which is kinda of what I was there for. So I think it, for anybody who's really wanting to go, if you're not going for that purpose, maybe go once so you can check it out and but other than that I just don't think it's really Plus, you have to be in Vegas. And Vegas sucks. Exactly,
2: and Vegas. So, I mean, I live here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I live here. So, I mean, for me, it was you know right down the block, literally. Like, I live fifteen minutes away from it, so oh, yeah. it was pretty easy. But I yeah, we were in Arizona. No, I'm not, I'm not here in Vegas. So oh, for man. me, it was pretty convenient. Plus, the cool part was obviously people that I knew via Twitter and everywhere else were coming here to meet for once. So it was yeah. a cool way for me to meet people that I talk to online all the time different people in my group chats and, and put a face to their account
0: yeah sure that is yeah that's the best part networking and meeting cool people it's kind of true of just any of these uh trade shows or meetups or whatever is that is actually just connecting with people and getting to know them the i had a couple buddies i miss a, a buddy from mission first i feel real bad about it. i didn't i was supposed to meet up with him twice and i just couldn't couldn't make it happen um and then my buddy drew but other than that you know got some connections done and yeah dude it's it's a good it's a good time in that like you get to check some stuff out but there's less i mean there it's an enormous show so there's like a lot of walking around and all of that but oh yeah there's like less new to see than you think
2: yeah obviously it's you know companies kind of few of them just showing what they've already come out with over the years there's very few big announcements. I think the kind of big ones were, you know, PSA's retro lines that they're coming out with EO laser and, um, the Franklin binary to me was kind of big. So I, I want, I was glad I got to check that out.
0: Yeah. And I think the uh, gun, like the gun community, it's sort of like, it's kind of like politics in this way that if you're on Twitter, you're already more plugged in than like 90% of the rest of the world. Exactly. So, like, when you go down there, you've probably already seen almost everything that, yeah. that's there. Like, before I got there, I had seen that, probably because I followed Derek, but I had seen that uh that and optic 5,000 times before I ever went and looked at it. And I had buddies from California calling me, dude, make sure you go check out that and optic or whatever. So, like, <laughs> it was obviously going around, you know. Um But, yeah, I do think that if you're on Twitter, you're
2: kind of ahead of the game so far as like when new stuff comes out, especially know. too, because even if you're not there, there's obviously several people posting every single thing about that show. Right. Like, you know, everybody was posting the optic. Everybody was posting PSA stuff. Everybody was at the Danny defense boots and all that stuff, you know, especially cause you're getting free shit from them. Right, so right. everybody was posting every single thing about it, even though, you know, it's no pictures, no video. Everybody <laughs> still does.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I got told not to, t- that I couldn't even crack open a gun that I wanted to crack open. So they yeah. they get pretty sensitive about that. Like, what, a, like my camera's got a micrometer in it or something, dude. Like, I'm going to go back and steal yeah. your tech, you know?
2: Yeah, my buddy Logan, uh, he wanted to uh, open some of the PSA AKs and kind of check them out and see how they're made on the inside because, you know, he's an AK gunsmith. Yeah. And he, uh, they were like, nope, sir, you can't do that. You can't do that. What? Yeah. They're like, can't. On a PSA AK? Yeah. Like those things have been in the wild for years. Exactly. But he wanted to open the crank up. Oh, the yes, crank. Yeah. And they're like, nope, you can't do that through.
0: Okay. Interesting. Do they put like an ALG trigger in that? Do you know? Yeah. Cool.
2: I, got, cool. I got their ALG trigger on my AKV, my little nine millimeter AK that they make. Freaking love that thing.
0: Yeah. Everyone raves about on that. I might snag another PSA
2: AK here eventually just for the hell of it. I will say the one thing about having a PSA AK, well, the AKV at least, because it has the little Mac bracket that they put in the back, Mm -hmm. not every um, AK trigger works for it. You either have to get a Dremel, shave off just the top bit, or get one with the little bit carved out. So the ALG trigger that PSA sells for their uh, line of AKs already has that little cutout. So you can just drop it in, works perfect. Uh, Franklin Armory's binary trigger has that little cutout in it, so you can drop it into any PSA game. It works.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's good to know, too. And speaking of Logan, that was one guy I wanted to bump into while I was down there, and I just missed. Um, yeah, we got to go eat sushi. It was cool. Cool. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy.
2: Well, all right, man. Do you have anything else? Not much. Uh, the other cool thing that's obviously, like I was saying earlier, I'm in the 3D printing space. I got to see a lot of, at least on the the first floor, more people who were doing, you know, showcasing 3D printing to everybody there. Obviously, Mm -hmm. a lot of people probably weren't paying attention too much on the bottom floor, but there was a lot of people that were showcasing, you know, 3D printed guns, uh, 3D printed suppressors made out of, you know, basically like a welded titanium machine. Mm -hmm. And just like a 3D printed firearm where you can see the layer lines, you can see the layer lines on these metal 3D printed suppressors. That was really cool to me because, you know, everybody's so used to talking about 3D printers these days being these cheap little $200 Ender 3s, but now we're finally getting into that realm where they're doing stuff with metal that's more what we really want to do with it. Right, right, right. Still <clears> probably <throat> out of the reach of the regular person, you know, they're still probably running like 20 grand plus, but you know, the technology's finally getting there.
0: It's a hell of a lot cheaper than a $150,000 CNC machine though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that I have long thought that if, you know, I, I kind of made fun of 3D printing a little bit in the beginning, but um, I've always thought that if they can get this to where metal printing becomes affordable for the average person, I don't just mean like, print the, you know, aluminum lower, which is still cool. You know, that Cody's whole thing is still cool, but like if they can get, you know, a, a printer where you can print, like, let's say aluminum or titanium even at home, which would be even cooler. Uh, it's kind of all bets are off at that point. Yeah,
2: because, I mean, what that that Ghost Gunner runs, what is it, $3,500? I think so. Somewhere around there. I mean, hell, if they could get a 3D printer that can actually weld metal for sub-10,000, I, I think people would still jump on it.
0: I do too, man. Honestly, that's two or three rifles, you know? Yeah. I mean – yeah, I think it would be it would be a, it would be a game changer for real. And also, like I think I've talked about this before, but the use case is really broad at that point. You know, like a lot of farmers are running old tractors that are hard to get parts for, and I mean, if you can just print parts in your shop and go fix your old tractor, like that's a freaking game changer for the average exactly. guy.
2: And these days, you know, everybody's learning CAD just because of how much more accessible it is. People know which softwares they can use for free to design whatever the hell they want. Like, hell, my first 3D printed uh thing that I designed myself was Nasdaq Death Whistle. That oh, looks like no. that looks like a little heart. Just so you know, oh, you print off, it's a tiny little heart. You blow into it and it sounds fucking terrifying. Yeah, right. So that's pretty cool. Then obviously, you know, the firearms aspect of it, everybody kind of got into 3D printing guns during COVID. But yeah, you just, I still use it for a lot more knickknacks than I do for uh, doing guns.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's, um, it's a cool, it's actually a very cool space and seeing dudes like we had, uh, that suckboy yep. boy Tony guy. Yeah, um, I know. Him. <laughs> he's cool, man. But, uh, watching him, you know, stuff he's doing. And he was talking about some dude that's making like, uh, like some magnetic disc shooters and shit. And, you know, like that, that kind of stuff excites me, man. Like, and now I mean, you got
2: the, uh, the boys, uh, coming out with 37 millimeter flare launchers. Things like oh, that, yeah. and then uh, there's uh, another there's another gun company uh, coming out of, like three D printed um thirty seven millimeter rocket launchers.
0: Interesting, yeah, yeah, dude. Well, and those new that those new nods that we talked about earlier on this uh, episode, like they're they're the housing is polymer. It ain't gonna be long before someone figures out how to just print that shit, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, man, lots of cool stuff happening, but. Honestly, I don't think all that much of it is at shot, (laughs) you know? I mean, it's all at shot, but, like, I guess you you don't need to be at shot. Like, TFB, um, I know they work really hard there. They bring a bunch Mm -hmm. of people, and they pretty much cover almost the whole show. I'm sure they still miss stuff because it's just so freaking big. But um,
2: Yeah, it's impossible to go visit all 1,000 booths or however many they have there.
0: There's no way. Dude, I think I read on the on the little form thing that it was like 1300 or some crazy thing like that
2: there was a whole floor that i didn't even go to you know yeah exactly like i was only in the main three halls in the caesars forum and then only on the last day did i go downstairs to check out the few little places
0: yeah that's how my buddy was too and i missed that I, i had to go home to well just to go home honestly but i had stuff to take care of so yeah dude well for anybody who's out there Um, go one time so you can check it off your list and you'll probably never want to go again.
2: (laughs) Go all four days, especially if you want to like, you know, really put your body through walking hell.
0: Yeah. And if you're serious about like trying to make industry connections, I know Roy's talked about this a bunch, but don't go get hammered every night. I know it's tough because you're in Vegas, but.
2: Exactly. Because that is the one thing about shot. You're going to be talking to a regular person, say like at the FM booth, like I was. And then next thing you know, you start talking to them, You start nerding out about guns. They start talking back to you in the same way, and that is one th- the one cool thing. You know, people are very enthusiastic about all this stuff. But next thing you know, they ask you, "Hey, do you have a card?" You realize, "Oh crap!" You know, you don't. You were ill prepared. They hand you theirs, and suddenly you see, "Holy crap!" This is the CEO of FN, right? Or this is the CEO of Glock, and that's a pretty cool, you know, person to talk to.
0: Yeah, yeah, and build that network and. Um, I don't know how you feel about this, but from just all my years of uh, doing speeches and I, I used to subcontract under an executive networking company, like reach out to the people that you want to stay in contact with. Even if it's just one email, just make sure that they remember you. Don't don't just like put that in your pocket and never talk to them, because I promise you, like 10 days from then, they don't remember you anymore.
2: You exactly. Know? And then that opportunity you had at one point suddenly gone.
0: Totally. 100 percent. All right, brother, on that note, plug anything you want to plug. and
2: uh, Once again, my name is Dianexis. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Dianexis, D-I-A-N-E-X-I-S. And yeah, look forward to talking to anybody that wants to chat with me on there.
0: All right, man, buy some mags from him too. He's got some cool mags out there. Appreciate it. <laughs> okay i'm like this is like past i'm like a boomer it's past my bedtime so i gotta go to bed (laughs) all right much love everybody talk to you guys next week